You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. separate you by the Holy Spirit. I don't know what that will look like. It might be different in everybody's life, but he will separate you for the work that he has called you to do. And when he sends you out, you know you will be prepared and you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is that God has sent you to do. And when he calls you and sends you, I can guarantee you will walk out there with confidence because this church will back you. This church will say, praise God, we want to back you. We want to be partnerships with you in this ministry, and we will lay hands on you, and we will send you. Why? Because it's biblical. And then you will go do what the Lord has asked you. In your walk with Jesus, do you ever feel like you're nothing more than the world? Are there times when you don't feel set apart for the gospel? Today in his message, Pastor Dave wants you to know that no matter where you're currently at in life, God wants to use you for his glory. You have always been a treasure in his eyes. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 12 as he continues his message, Separate to Me. Remember, when my wife went back to the church and she first started, she didn't want to go for worship. She didn't understand it. She really didn't want it. She didn't like it. Now she loves it. Now she can't do without it. But you grow into that. You understand the responsibilities that you have. Why they were ministering to the Lord is when the Holy Spirit spoke to the church. Why they were spending time in worship and adoration and praise and prayer is when the Holy Spirit spoke to the church. And this happens all the time. Kent Hughes declares this, worship and service go together and should never be separated. If we try to work for the Lord without worshiping him, we will settle for legalistic, self-centered service. If we worship and never work, we will end up with a form of godliness, but no power. It says they were fasting. Fasting is always a mark of deep spiritual concern. It indicates that a person is willing to set aside normal demands in life in order to do what? Concentrate on God. Concentrate on the Lord. It's usually, in this instance, food. It's usually food. But it can be anything. I've told you about the time when my wife and I decided we wanted to fast, but we loved to eat. Fasting food is difficult for us, which is probably why we should do it more, but we don't. So we decided to give up TV for a week. We tried to take that box, turn it off, unplug it, and get it away. And we did that for two weeks. And instead of watching TV, we prayed together. We read God's word. We studied his word. We read different books about his word. Oh, my gosh, the growth was incredible. I can't believe that we ever turned it back on. So fasting can be any of those things if the Lord is leading you to. Worst thing you can do is lead into something and try to do something without the Lord's leading. As I said, then you will fail, and then you'll be all upset because you failed miserably. Well, you've got to let the Lord lead you here. So what we've seen these men doing is they were serving in ministry, they were seated with the saints, and they were seeking the Lord. Guess what? These men were doing what Christians were supposed to do. They were serving one another in love. They were seated with the saints under the authority of the church and its leadership, and they were seeking God with their whole hearts. They were ministering to him through praise, worship, adoration, and prayer. This is the atmosphere that God loves to work in. He works in this atmosphere. He loves this kind of atmosphere. Why? 
Because God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Spirit is not something we do on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights for 20 minutes. Spirit should be our life. We should walk in a spirit of worship, constantly in worship with our God, constantly in tune with him. It should be our life. Worship should exude from us. It should be part of our lives as, as we walk. These guys were doing that. As we do these things, the Lord then is able to separate us for ministry, separate us to be his disciples. Call us out and say, come, I'm ready to use you mightily as you do these things. And this is what happens here. Look at verse 13, verse 2, part B. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. We must first grasp the concept that God and God alone calls the individual to ministry. If God does not call a person, no amount of preparation, no amount of training will ever make you successful. If God does not call you, don't go. If he does call you, then he will empower you and he will train you and he will build you up and he things will be to his liking. I'm not saying you're not gonna have difficulties. I'm not saying there won't be problems along the way, but you must be called by God. You must be separated by the Holy Spirit. If you're not, I'm sure you're not gonna last very long in any ministry that you try. I don't care what ministry it is, children's, greetings, cleaning, whatever you do, it's not gonna last very long. So how did the Holy Spirit speak? I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to them through the prophets that were part of this body. Remember when we first said there were prophets and teachers there in this body? I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to these prophets. As they ministered to the Lord through worship, praise, and prayer, and adoration, and fasting, one of the prophets was given utterance by the Holy Spirit, and he spoke. Separate to me under Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called to them. He did a thus says the Lord. This is what usually happens. This kind of stuff happens. Sometimes the Spirit speaks directly to you. Sometimes the Spirit will speak directly to your heart, and it will be confirmed by somebody else or confirmed in his word. He confirms it in the strangest ways. I told you about the time I thought I was going to go to Wildwood. I was going to leave Votech and go to Wildwood to teach school. And I told you I had an interview, and B and I were driving out of Wildwood, and the only thing I kept hearing on my mind, because they offered me less money, the only thing I heard on my mind was, the way up is down, Dave. The way up is down. And when I got home, I talked to my pastor at the time, and I said, we got to pray. I said, I have to make a major decision. He says, well, what do you want to pray about? I said, no, I want you to just pray. Holy Spirit will tell you what I'm praying about. You just pray. I didn't want to set him up. I didn't want to ask him these questions. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal it. He calls me late Sunday night, or late Saturday night. He says, Dave, did you get anything? I said, not a word. He said, okay, just keep praying. So I kept praying. I went to church on Sunday morning, did the things, and I'm sitting there in the movie theater in Ocean City, and I'm sitting there beside my wife, and the pastor's up there, and he starts preaching, and three times he says, the way up is down. The way up is down. I looked at Beatrice, and I said, I wonder why I would. That was it. <laughs> I didn't need to know. I knew. Well, there was no way. See, somebody, that's how the Lord works. He confirms his will. He confirms his word through the mouth of somebody else, through the mouth of something else that you've been thinking all along and that you've been praying about. He confirms it, and that's what he did here. These guys have been serving in the ministry. They've been seated with the saints, just doing ministry. They've been seeking the Lord, which is what we're called to do. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, because I got some work for them. I've called them to go into this ministry. So they were serving in ministry. They were seated with the saints. They were seeking the Lord. They were separated by the Holy Spirit. And then they were sent out by the elders. This also is very important. They were sent out by the elders. Look at 13.3. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Not only must the Holy Spirit confirm the calling upon your life, but the elders of the church must confirm your calling too. This is a real consolation to those who are being sent out. There's confidence in knowing that the church leadership is behind you. 
Yeah, go on out. We're here. We'll support you any way we can. We love you, brother. Go on out. We'll pray for you. We're here. What a wonderful feeling that is. There's a confidence in knowing that. There's a good picture painted here of what the church is supposed to be doing before they send out a minister. To avoid getting into trouble or appointing the wrong people, we as leaders need to take time to pray over people and test people to see if their motives, loyalties, commitments, and their calling. This is what we're called to do as leaders. Who better than a group of elders to qualify for this task? This should go for any part of the ministry. An elder, a deacon, or a board member should first be proven or tested. It's the responsibility of church leadership to do this. That's what God has given us the call to do. So they were sent out. They laid hands on them, which means they touched them and prayed. They sent them out with the backing, full backing of the church. Hmm. Look what happens next. Follow along. 13.4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Here's an important truth that you need to know if you're trying to decide God's will for your life. Look carefully at the text. It says, they being sent out went. The Holy Spirit did not force them. The Holy Spirit did not push them. The Holy Spirit did not drag them. They went. The Holy Spirit gave the direction. They had to obey on their own free will. They had to make the move. Remember, we talked about the ship that doesn't go very well on the harbor when you start steering the rudder, but once it starts to move, you steer the rudder and it starts to go, right? The Holy Spirit was the rudder saying, go. And guess what? They went. They had the approval of the Holy Spirit. So many times we miss this part. We move when we should not. And we don't when we should. There comes a point in time when the Lord has made his will known to you. He expects you to move. He expects you to do what he's asked you to do. This becomes obedience. This becomes your being obedient to the Lord. He makes his will known. He expects you to take those first steps. Abraham, leave your father's house and get to a land that I'll show you. Boom, Abraham went. Yeah, maybe he didn't go all the way. Maybe he did hang around in Haran with his dad for a while, but he took that first step. And then once his father's died, the Lord appeared to him again. Abraham, go. Boom, he's gone. Here's the picture. God calls, you obey. And that's what we do here. Look at these principles one more time. Serving in the ministry, seated with the saints, seeking the Lord, separated, sent, and finally, they departed. They left. Something happened to me as I was doing this last night and night before. It took me a long time to put this together, and I really finally figured out why. Because this was the story of my ministry. This is the story of my life. And I really, really am glued to this and these principles because I saw these principles happen in my life. And if you will let me, I want to explain to you. Remember I said you had to be called by God first. That was first and foremost. I believe I was called in ministry in 1993. This happened several years after I was a Christian. I had written a letter to Greg Laurie, of all people. I heard him on the radio, and I wanted to know what it meant to be called by God. I didn't understand what it meant to be called by God. I had no idea. People said, you might be called. Called to what? You know, I didn't know what that meant, so I wrote a letter. Greg took the time to give the letter to one of his assistant pastors who sent me back a letter saying there were 10 things that I could look at to make sure to see if I was called of God. It was like a checklist. I said, okay. So I sort of looked at the checklist. Number one, no, 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 yeah. Number two, yeah, I was getting pretty happy because every one of them I was doing, things were happening in my life. I came to number 10, and I read it. Above all, you must have the peace of God about this call. Uh-oh. I didn't have the peace of God about the call. I didn't have the peace of God about the call. Does that mean I wasn't called? I didn't have his peace. What am I going to do? I was frantic. 
I got to get to my prayer closet. So I was living in Ocean City right by the beach. My prayer closet was the beach. It was in the middle of November. I went down there in the beach, me and my dog, Odie. We went down and we started walking around. I started to pray. Lord, if you're calling me in the ministry, I need to know. Point blank, I need to know. I'm here. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to do anything you want me to do. But I need to know if I'm being called to the ministry. I don't understand what this calling is. I don't have the peace of God that passes all understanding about this call. Help me, Lord. Please give me it. I sat before him, listened, nothing. Went home, walked upstairs, told Beatrice I was going to go into my study, and I was going to read the Word of God because I believe that the Lord speaks to us through the Word of God. After we ask him questions, I believe he speaks to us through the Word of God. So I went in there. And I said, okay, what do I do? Do I play Bible roulette? Claim the verse? Nah. I wanted to continue on my daily reading. My daily reading took me to Acts 26. Paul is giving his testimony before Agrippa. And I'm reading Acts 26, and I'm just reading along. I'm having a great time reading along. This is great, Lord. And I come to Acts 26, 16, and I'll try to get through it without breaking up. He said, but rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things of which you have seen and the things of which I will reveal to you. And I'm emotional because that's exactly what happened to me when I read it the first time. I instantly had the peace of God that I knew I was called into the ministry. And I began to weep. But it was so powerful in my life. God had called me into ministry. Me, a lousy, no good sinner, a person who was the dregs of the earth. But God called me into ministry. He called me. I leapt for joy and I wept. I instantly had the peace of God that passes all understanding. I knew I had been called to ministry in November of 1993. I knew that it was coming. So if we look at our list today, first thing I do, I started serving in the ministry. I seated with the saints and I started seeking the Lord. I would do anything that the Lord wanted me to do. I was so eager to do that. I started showing up early on Sunday mornings at Maranatha by the Sea in Ocean City in the Strand Movie Theater. I started setting up there so we could set up our equipment, set up everything for service that day. I was there for prayer at the end of service. I tore down the stuff, the equipment and stuff like that and, and put it back. I was there all the time. If they were open, I was there. Bible studies, whatever. Lord called me to go to the rescue mission. I went to the rescue mission. I started teaching Bible studies. I started doing chapel services. I was doing anything I could to get involved with the Lord because I wanted to know so much about him. I was serving because that's what the Lord had called me to do, to serve him, to be a minister, to be a servant. And I would go to people's houses. We would pray together. We would have studies together. All kinds of things happened. I moved to Vineland. The Lord called us to Vineland. I went to Vineland and I got involved with Calvary Chapel Vineland. And when I was violent, the same thing happened. I was there, and all of a sudden, I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm teaching Sunday school, of all things, for, for a couple years, being a Sunday school teacher. I helped paint the church one time. They needed somebody to paint the church. We helped paint it. They cleaned the church. They needed somebody to clean the church. I was willing to clean the church. I wanted to do whatever God was leading me to do. I did the tape and CD ministry. I folded bulletins. I filled the communion cups and filled up the uh, bread things. I was an usher. I sang on the worship team. I was in the choir. Anything the Lord wanted to do, I was there. When that building was open, I was there because I wanted to be in ministry. God had called me. I wanted to do everything I could. I wanted to serve. They raised me to be an elder. They gave me the usher ministry as my ministry, and I oversaw the usher ministries. It was one of the things I did. I attended Calvary Chapel Bible College. I attended Trinity Biblical University. I got a degree, a bachelor's degree in ministry from Trinity Biblical University. All why? I don't know, because that's what the Lord was leading me to do. And I wanted to be involved any way I can. I even had the privilege to teach on a Wednesday night for Pastor Frank a couple times. I was part of a local body. 
I worshiped there. I prayed with those guys. We fellowshiped together. We broke bread together. We listened to the word of God. We fed on the word of God. I grew in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ as my savior. And in the back of the mind was that call. But I was fulfilling my ministry. Everything that the Lord showed me to do, I did with the best I could. I did with the greatest vigor I had because I wanted to be the best because I wasn't doing it for anybody but the Lord. I wasn't working for man. I was working for God. And he was allowing me to be a part of it. Can you imagine that? Crazy thing happened. I was separated by the Holy Spirit. Many of you don't know this, but I was separated by the Holy Spirit. And this is a crazy thing that happened. This is really bizarre. Back in 2009, I retired. In June, I retired from the Wildwood School District. I'd been a teacher. I got 25 years in, and I was able to retire. I retired because I knew if I didn't do it then, the Lord wasn't going to use me anymore. But I was happy where I was, and I retired. That was in June. In July, I was in Pastor Frank's office like a little boy going, Lord hasn't used me yet. What's he waiting for? And his best thing, he said, well, it's only been a month. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be used by God. I wanted to be used by the Lord. I kept on saying, well, you know, am I going to go over to, to Europe and teach in a Bible college? Because I really would love to do that. Or, or maybe I'm going to go over to Delaware because I had an idea once that I would start a Calvary Chapel over in Delaware. I really wanted to do those things. Pastor Frank got real quiet and we prayed. And all of a sudden he looked at me right in the eye and he said, I don't think you're going to Delaware. I don't think you're going to Europe. I think you're going to Cape May. Cape May? What? He said, no, I think that. I didn't understand what he was talking about. Now, many of you might know this, many of you don't know this, but I knew Pastor Bob, TC, and the whole family when they worshiped at Calvary Chapel Vineland. That's where I met them in Calvary Chapel Vineland when they were there. I met them in 1999. I was there when they sent Bob out to plant this church. I was there. I was one of the ones that prayed with him and for him. We used to meet constantly when they were building this church, when they were doing all the things here. Every time Bob would go away with TC or something like that, I came down to teach. I was here. I came down all the time. Bob and I were great friends. The four of us, my wife, me, and TC and Bob would go out to dinner from time to time. Bob and I would meet all the time for coffee, constantly. We did that. We kept in touch all the time. I was trying to do a fellowship in Upper Township. He was doing the fellowship down here. The two fellowships would get together, and we would have all kinds of stuff. I knew them. After TC passed, Bob and I continued to have coffee. We continued to fellowship together once, twice, sometimes more a month at Starbucks right over here in Rio Grande. We had coffee all the time. And then one day in October 2009, three months after Pastor Frank prophesied, I was sitting across from Bob and we were having coffee. And he looked at me and said, Dave, I want you to pray about something. I said, what? He said, I want you to come to Cape May and take over the ministry. He said, what? He said, I want you to come to Cape May and take over the ministry. So I prayed with him. I immediately went back and prayed with Pastor Frank. I immediately went to my wife and prayed with my wife, who didn't want to come, who said she wasn't going. I said, it's going to be kind of hard to do for me to go down there and you to stay here. She wasn't going. I said, do me a favor, pray about it. And I left her alone. Three weeks later, she came to me and said, the Lord spoke to me, I'll go with you. I said, well, thanks. I'm really glad you're going with me. Praise God, you're going. You got to love her. We prayed together. Pastor Frank and I talked about it immensely. Pastor Frank went over to Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, to Joe Foch, because Joe Foch basically oversees the entire East Coast for Calvary Chapels. Lloyd Pulley from Oldbridge was there. Pastor Frank, Lloyd Pulley, and Pastor Joe prayed about me coming down here. And they felt, yes, the Lord was sending me. On February 5th, 2010, I was ordained by Calvary Chapel, Vineland. The elders laid hands on me, and they said, go. Guess what? I went. 
I did what the Scripture says you're supposed to do. I came. It was 17 years from when God had called me to when God sent me down here to Cape May. 17 years. But God had everything in place. God had to have everything in place. God made all the necessary arrangements. When God called me, I served. I sat with the saints. I sought him through worship and praise, prayer and adoration. And then I was separated by the Holy Spirit, and I was sent to this church by my elders and by the people at Calvary Vineland. When all that was finished, I left Vineland, and I came here. I didn't wake up one day and go, I think I'll be the pastor at Cape May and come down here. No, the Lord sent me. I was asked, and I prayed, and the Lord sent me. I didn't come down here with force. I didn't come down here with power. I came down here with the power of the Holy Spirit and only by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is my testimony. What we read today is my testimony of how God got me here. As I said earlier, we mature in the Lord by faith. We begin to understand this genuine call that's on our lives. It's the specific call that you might be interested in. What are you called to be in Christ? You don't know what you're called to be. Maybe you're called into a certain part of ministry. Maybe you are called to missions. I don't know. By missions or ministry, I mean any type of work that God has you to do. Because anything you do for the Lord is considered ministry. Anything you do for him. A mission or a ministry could be referring to serving in a foreign land or even in your own country. It could require a trip across the Atlantic Ocean. It could require a trip across the Pacific Ocean. It could require a trip across the street. We don't know what God's purpose is for you. The point is that God always calls us to serve him for his glory and his purpose. Not for man's glory, not for our purposes, for God's purpose. Whatever it is that he's called you to do, it is important, and it is your specific ministry. God has given it to you. We need to find out what that is. All too often we think that the field of mission must be in China or Africa, devoid of the comforts of home. No, the biggest mission field that we have will exist in about 15 minutes when you walk right out that door. There's the mission field. And you need to be sent by God to go into there and to make a difference in a world that's dying, going to hell by the trillions. Actually, it's billions. Never forget the need for ministers and ministries in your local church. There's many ways you can get connected to your local church and serve. There's inner city ministries. There's church planning ministries that are springing up all over the place. So a mission in a general sense is setting out to do what you believe God has called you to do. That is a mission. And all to the praise and glory of God. What has the Lord called you to do? I can tell you what he's called you to do. He has called you to serve in ministry. He's called you to be seated with the saints and he's called you to seek him. And as you're doing that, he will separate you by the Holy Spirit. I don't know what that will look like. It might be different in everybody's life, but he will separate you for the work that he has called you to do. And when he sends you out, you know you will be prepared and you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is that God has sent you to do. And when he calls you and sends you, I can guarantee you will walk out there with confidence because this church will back you. This church will say, praise God, we want to back you. We want to be partnerships with you in this ministry, and we will lay hands on you, and we will send you. Why? Because it's biblical. And then you will go do what the Lord has asked you. You are You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth, even when it cost him his life. What courage in the midst of opposition! 
Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope.